Good afternoon. Hi. Oh, I was just so energetic and you were so like, ugh. Awesome, Megan, I went to the uh, store and I'm not going to name Pause. names. Welcome to Sister <laughs> Mystery Mysteries. Hi, I'm Carly. I'm Megan. I'm Carly. Yeah. What okay. about the store? I'm not naming names, but remember that store that I was like, oh, fuck, you gave me like several to go to. The one that we went to together a couple years ago. You can name names. No, oh, you no, don't. You because don't like, I got beef. You don't like it? Loved it. Bought a ton of stuff. But the employees, they were so mm-hmm. mean. Mm. Don't be mean to me. No, don't be mean to her. She's fragile. I'm so nice. <laughs> um, The other day, Billy and I walked into the to an M&S, which is a grocery store, at 8 o'clock. We thought they were open till 9, but clearly they were open till 8. So as soon as we walked in, there was an announcement being like, this store is now closed. Mm-hmm. Is that Irish? I don't know. Um, and so we were like, ah, oh, man. I start walking out, and the security guy goes, we're closed. And I said, I know. <laughs> or I said, I heard. But, like, Billy was like, God, it's, he's just doing his job. And I was like, yeah, but we clearly knew. We were literally and like, but he's walking doing his job. out. And I was like, I was, as, I was as blunt to him as he was to me. Exactly. He said, we're closed. I said, I heard. End of story. And you matched I think tone, I was, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I think uh, I'm very much used to the American way of being like, um, I'm so sorry, thanks for your business, but uh, I can't no, ask no, you bitch. I just want you to know that we're closed, which is what when I had to I do when I worked at the mall, pizza. we weren't allowed to say anything. We were allowed oh, to... Oh, at Blaze, we would be like, I'm not going to kick you out, I just want to let you know we're closed, I'm happy to bring you a to-go box. Even at Frost, we couldn't we couldn't say anything. We could go ahead and do closing procedures, but we couldn't. You like, stack the chairs around them. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we couldn't. Uh, I love close doing that. The gate. Actually, at Frost, I think sometimes the managers were like, "Fuck it, we're closed." But um, mm. at Express, we um, we could eventually close the gate once like the last kind of pack of customers would out, or we would close one. Um, mm. But people leaving the mall would still trickle in. Like, half an hour after closing, mm. and we couldn't say anything. I'm like, that's bullshit. Mm. Do you need to be rude like that security guard? No. But. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't rude. It's a different, I feel like it's a different thing over here where, like, customer service is more basic. It's just, like, you get what you need, and that's enough. And I agree with that. Because mm-hmm. I, the, like, over-smiley, over-talkative thing is can be annoying. And, like, it's definitely yeah. annoying when you are the the customer service person, but, like, I was very much, like, ah! and Billy was, like, God, you're so rude, and I was, like, I just reacted. Yeah. Um, a uh, bad person. Anyway, nice I'm really excited for this one. Me too, so, because I know what it is. I had to tell Carly what I was doing, because I got scared we were doing the same one. You didn't have based to Based solely me. on the fact that, well, based solely on the fact that we were each reading an entire book for it. And I was like, what if it's the same book? So yeah, I and then her, um, mine, I was like, mine's about this. And you were like, mine's about this. And I was like, great, so they're not the same. And then you were like, you can guess how mine is if you want. And I was like... But you would have guessed anyway. Yeah. Yeah, Because okay, you were so. very specific with yours. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my emoji hints sometimes are not subtle. I'm gonna... I'll tell the story and then cite my sources. Okay. Okay. Um... Buckle up. It's going to be a long one. It's really sad um, and really powerful. The story is about some badass women. We're talking about the Radium Girls. Fuck yeah. So we'll start. In 1924, 
May Keen walked in for her first day at a radium wristwatch manufacturing company. She was excited because painting, they would paint like glowing numbers on the watch face. It was one of the best jobs a like working class girl could have, both because it paid much more than like other factory jobs and because the young women who worked there really liked it. They seemed to find a community together. They would all talk at work and like hang out after. Yeah, I mean, about the money, when you're going to die, so you're not going to work there as long. They can pay you more without actually paying Carly, you more. we're not there yet, okay? God, spoil it. You're ruining my big reveal. <laughs> oh. Lots of them. Another, so, like, they really found this community, including lots of them, and this is going to get real sad later. Some <laughs> of them would get their cousins or sisters' jobs with them. Whoops. So stop looking at me like that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I can't. Stop looking at you like what? Like you were like, some people would get their sisters in on it. What if I got you a job and then, well, I'm just trying to tell my story. Okay. Okay, so May, May walks into work. They're training her on the job. So they're like, okay, you're going to take the brush, dip it into the radium paint, put it between your mouth and like twist it to make it pointy. Did you not know that? I did. Um, and then they she would paint the numbers on, and then the numbers were so tiny that, like, they would have to keep pointing it. Um, some of the faster girls could point over 200, paint over 200 watches a day. And um, the, it was so delicate and small that that was the only way to get the details sharp enough. I still like But it. May didn't really like... Well, you put it between your lips, basically, and, like, twist it. Like, mm-hmm. hmm? Um... May didn't like the taste of the paint. She found it gritty, so she wouldn't put the brush in her mouth. Um, so later that week, her boss pulled her aside and said he could tell she didn't really like it there. Maybe she'd like to quit, and she took him up on it. That decision may have saved her life. Ew. Okay. Backing up, Marie Curie discovered radium in 1898. It's element 88. It's a rare white, luminescent, and highly radioactive element. Because of its ability to destroy tissue, it was initially used as a form of cancer treatment because it would eat the tumor. Ah. Everything else. So from there it became known... Yeah, but they didn't know that at the time. But so it it became known as like this miracle element. It was used in bath salts, beauty products. People would drink radium water tonic and they thought that it was good for you. Now a lot of these products like commercial products didn't actually contain radium but it was like the big buzzword everyone thought it was actually good for you in small doses Mm. it was also useful for its luminescent properties so during world war one there was a surge in demand for glowing watches dials and like aircraft instruments because you could see like if you're in the trench you can pull out your watch and see the numbers in the dark and you don't have to light a match Mm -hmm. um all of which all of these glowing things are made with radium paint um, and so there, all these factories started springing up and, and enlisting working class women to come paint the numbers. So, like I said, in the beginning, it was believed that small amounts of radium wouldn't hurt you. The men who would work directly with radium in larger quantities would wear lots of protective gear and they would handle it with big tongs. But the girls were not offered any kind of protection in their jobs. 
They were specifically and repeatedly instructed to use the lip pointing method. That's what it was called. They would say lip dip paint. Hmm. Um, So that's causing them to ingest tiny amounts of radium over and over every single day. Um, One woman, May Coverly, an employee at the United States Radium Corporation, we're going to hear about them a lot, the USRC in Orange, New Jersey, specifically remembers asking, as many girls did, whether it was harmful to put the paint in their mouths. And her manager, Mr. Savoy, told her it wasn't dangerous and that radium will put rosy cheeks on you. Because it's going to burn your skin off your face? No. It, and, like, it's unclear whether these people didn't really know or whether it was actually, like, yeah, we'll just cover this up. It's fine. Initially. Um, Maybe a mix of both. Yeah. I mean, like, it's probably think, fine, and if it's not, you know. <laughs> they're poor, so it doesn't matter. Right. So, um, the lip pointing wasn't the only way that they would have contact with the paint, uh, because it glowed, um, and because working as a dial painter was kind of a status symbol in, like, the, the towns where the factories were, they called them studios, the studios were, the girls would absolutely cover themselves with the paint. The, so, like, this one, are you done? No, my butt really hurts from sitting in that chair. I guess you could just mute yourself during this part. I was really like, God, you're ruining my story. Sorry. Okay, carrying on. Um, Marie Becker, a dial painter at the Radium Dial Company in Ottawa, Illinois. So there's two main studios we're going to talk about, Ottawa and Orange. Where's um, Orange remembers again? going into the dark... New Jersey. So she remembers going to the dark room with her colleagues on their lunch break and painting themselves. They'd, like, make themselves have silly eyebrows, no. paint their lips, put a mustache on their face, Marie. and then they go in the dark. What's her name, Marie? They thought that shit was hilarious. Ma- name, yeah, Marie. Marie. Yeah. No, yeah. Marie. Yeah. So then they'd look in the mirror and they'd glow in the dark. Some girls would wear their, like, some girls would wear their going out dresses into work because they get radium dust all over themselves and then they go to the dance hall where it's dark and they would literally glow. <sighs> That's badass, but yeah. Don't do that. Um and then they would eat their lunch at the work table so that they could get back to work faster because they That's were paid per per item that they painted. Yeah. Mm. Um they didn't know that obviously they had no concept. They're like, "Oh, this is pretty. It's fun." No idea that it would kill them. Mm-hmm. So, Molly Magia was the first one to get sick. Molly. In 1922, yeah. In 1922, she quit her job at the USRC in Orange. It started as a toothache, but then the dentist pulled the tooth, and the spot in her gums never healed. Oh. So then he had to pull the tooth next to it, and then she starts, yeah, you just don't, you just fall apart. So she starts developing these ulcers in the gaps where the teeth have come out. And then her limbs start to ache, and she gets diagnosed with rheumatism, but they have no idea what's happening to her jaw. So then by May, the infection in her mouth had spread to most of her face and even some of the bones of her inner ear. Oh. Um, this is uh, going to be an intense sentence, so you are warned. Um, then she goes to the dentist, and he, like, pokes at her jaw, and just a piece of it falls out of her mouth. Oh. And then over the coming days... Yeah, so, like, honestly, they're falling apart. Their bodies are falling apart. And then the rest of her jaw falls out over the coming days. Molly. Yeah, um, it's going to get worse. This is probably the worst part that I'm about to tell. Oh, my God, that poor angel. 
Oh, I can't say Angel. That's George Hardstock's name. <laughs> so, by September of that year, the necrosis, which means death of tissue, had spread to her throat. Um, this is horrible. The tissues in her throat began to decay and disintegrate, including her jugular vein. So basically, like, at a certain point, the walls of her vein just collapsed and she bled out. Oh my god. Yeah. She, like, choked on her blood. Um, she was 24. Molly! Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to hear something else bad? Okay. Uh, remember when we saw the syphilis skulls Mm -hmm. from Richard III and how that also makes your bones fall apart? Yeah. Doctors were like, "Mm, probably syphilis. (gasps) So then everyone was like, that slut. Yeah. Put it on her birth, or her... They put it on her death certificate as syphilis. Oh, yeah, her and that's jaw gonna, fucking that's... fell off and she choked on her own esophagus blood. Yeah, yeah probably a fucking STD. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's going to come back to bite us later because, obviously, legally, she died of syphilis, so they, they, she has no case. Um, so then more girls start getting sick. Hazel Vincent... Um, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna name a lot of them because I think it's important that we hear their names. Um, Hazel Vincent was exhausted, losing weight, her jaw constantly aching. Marguerite Carlo was like totally, completely fatigued all the time. Helen Quinlan's whole face swelled up and Grace Fryer started experiencing back and leg pain that caused her to walk with a limp. Oh no. Yeah, so it's, it's not just in your mouth. Obviously a lot of the, the issues happen there because that's where they're having the most contact with it but it's mm-hmm. in their whole body yeah um so irene rudolph also developed a limp and then her teeth started falling out um and the symptoms at the time seemed similar to phosphorus poisoning which is just another kind of element that does a similar thing and mm-hmm. the doctor reported her to the industrial hygiene division but then they were like no it's definitely not phosphorus there's no phosphorus in the paint um her cousin, Catherine Schaub, who worked with her at the same studio, watched her get sick. And then when she died in 1923, 21 years old. Oh, my God. Catherine. Yeah. So her cousin watches this happen, reports her death to the Department of Health, and the report is dismissed. So um, experts, doctors sort of are like, maybe it's the radium. They start to disagree, like probably not. And then the radium companies are, like, doing a really good job of hushing it up. Mm-hmm. And since both Irene's and Molly's causes of death were listed incorrectly as unrelated to their jobs, nobody sees a need to investigate. Because oh they're like, oh, well, it's syphilis right there. Also, how scary so. is that to, like, to watch happen to a family member and then also have to wonder, like, when it's going to happen to you? You know what, Carly? You know what the next sentence is my, in my notes is? No. Yeah, yeah. After witnessing her cousin's horrible sickness, which started with a seemingly innocent toothache, Catherine was terrified when she started having problems with her teeth that November. Yep, yep. So did Hazel Couser and sisters, sisters again, Josephine and Genevieve Smith. Dentist, the dentist in their town, Dr. Walter Berry, was so overwhelmed with patients and so convinced that it was the radium that was causing their problems. He was like, all of you have to quit your jobs right now. Like, you're making this worse. And they were like, no, I like my job. So then the, the rumors are starting to affect sales. 
and then Arthur Roeder, the president of the USRC, that's the one in New Jersey, mounts his own investigation with a doctor the company hired. So I bet you can tell what he found. This is just like a whole, the whole story just is just all these paid company doctors being like, there's nothing wrong with you. And then you're like, I'm limping and my teeth are falling out and I'm in constant pain. And then the doctors are like, it's because you're poor. Oh, good. I bet you okay. can imagine how that's going to turn out. Yeah. But it, it like, of course, people aren't going to believe the girls because at the time, radium is not considered dangerous and uh, radium poisoning is not on the list of industrial illnesses covered by legislation at the time. So like there were specific illnesses that you could get from your job that would be covered, like phosphorus poisoning, like I mentioned earlier, that was considered one, but radium is not. The other major problem as mm-hmm. the girls started trying to get compensation for their medical bills was that there was a really short statute of limitations on work-related illnesses. And be- like radium wow. doesn't poison you right away. It kind of takes years for the symptoms to start showing up. Right. So most of the girls had left their jobs in the dial painting studios to either get on get another job or get married and like stop working. In some cases, years before they start even showing symptoms and Mm -hmm. like legally they have five months from like the time of the exposure to file any claims Mm -hmm. so they're just like shit out of luck basically and i just keep dying so hazel kuzer died on december 9th 1924 dr layman the first male employee to die of radium poisoning followed on june 7th 1925 Mm -hmm. Remember Marguerite Carlo that I mentioned earlier? Mm-hmm. She is getting weaker every day, and she finally gets a lawyer who will help her because all these lawyers are like, you don't have a case. Finally finds one, and they sue the USRC for $75,000, which in, in 1925 is the equivalent of $1 million. Mm-hmm. Carly, she and her sister, Sarah Malfer, mm-hmm. ended up in the hospital at the same time. Oh, God. So then they're like basically laying there, they're laying there dying. And then they get this um, this boss-ass guy who is kind of one of the heroes of the story. Obviously the women, but this guy as well. Mm-hmm. So um, Dr. Harrison Martland just recently got appointed chief medical examiner of Essex County, New Jersey. Okay. So he comes up with this test that can test for radioactivity. And he proves that Sarah's entire body is radioactive. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, just in time before she dies. On June 18th. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she's in the hospital with her sister. So what happened was, like, basically Marguerite was sicker, and then Sarah, like, got sick really fast, and then they kind of took mm-hmm. her away, and then Marguerite was like, where's Sarah, where's Sarah? And they wouldn't tell her, because she was so weak. They didn't want her no. to know. Oh, my God, that's so sad. Yeah. Yeah, th- it's so upsetting. So then they do the autopsy, and it gets even worse. Um... Because not only were her jaw and teeth radioactive, which is where obviously she had the contact, but so were her organs and her bones. Right. All of the tissues in her body were full of radium. And radium, the thing about it is it can't be destroyed. So that means none of the girls suffering from radium poisoning could ever be cured. Yeah. Meanwhile, the USRC is still denying it has anything to do with the girls' sicknesses. Mm Mm-hmm. And the dial painting studios across the country are still operating and still instructing the women to use their lip to shape the points. No, that continues all throughout. Yeah. 
And they keep saying, because this is all hushed up, it's not in the papers. They keep saying, like, oh, it's fine. Like, it's perfectly safe. So, remember Marguerite, who was like, where's Sarah, where's my sister? Died December 1925. Yeah, yeah. So, a little bit of good news, but not really. In 1926, the USRC uh, settles out of court and pays for the deaths of Marguerite Carlo, Sarah Malifer, and Hazel Couser. But, like, it's kind of, like, it's basically pennies. Like, it doesn't even come close to even covering their medical costs. Right. But it was, like, it was on some level the first, like, little admission of wrongdoing on the company's Mm -hmm. part. Enter fucking badass Grace Fryer. She is prepared to run with that. Yeah, so she has no legal claim. Oh, all of them. Sorry, I'm reading my notes. There's no legal claim on any of these women's side all of their money is running low because they just have these never-ending medical costs because they're not healing. They're like, oh, my tooth fell out. Better go to the dentist. Oh, another tooth fell out. Oh, my bones are falling apart. So they just keep having to go to the doctor. They can't work, and they can't get any lawyers on their side. Um, so in the another, – another awesome guy in this case, summer of 1927, Raymond Berry takes the case of five of the New Jersey girls. He agreed to represent Grace Fryer – Catherine Shobe, that's the one who watched her cousin die. Edna Hussman. And uh, remember Molly Magia, the first one, the blood to death? Mm-hmm. Both of her sisters, <gasps> Quinta and Albina. Yes, queen. Yeah, isn't that oh, fucked? Good sister. No, but like, they're sick too. Oh, they're not, they're not, tall. yeah, they're not doing it for her. They are also sick. It's really bad. Um, uh, this is also, like, it's horrifying, but like, Kind of wholesome in that Molly is helping her sisters from beyond the grave. So Dr. Martland, the medical examiner, starts, he has this idea. He wants to do some tests that would have to involve reducing bone to ash in order to prove the presence of radium. Because they know that they're radioactive, but I guess are multiple elements radioactive? So they prove that um, Sarah Malford was radioactive, but then they're going to prove that it's actually specifically radium Mm -hmm. contained in the bones. Right. So, um, he needs to do this test on, obviously, a dead person, because you can't take a bone out of a live person. Um, so his team exhumes Molly's body. Oh, God. Carly, when they pull the coffin out of the ground, it is glowing. No! Oh, my God. Yeah. She's radioactive as fuck. I don't mean to make light of this, but, like, it's absurd that people... Yeah. Uh, no evidence of syphilis. Really? She definitely didn't die of syphilis. And every single sample the doctors took out of her tested positive for the presence of radium. Nice. Good. Good, good, good. Yeah. You go, Molly. Love you, queen. You got wronged, but you did good. Yeah. Um, so, we get a hearing. January 12th, 1928. So the girls all give testimony on their various medical problems They've got, their jaws are crumbling just like Molly's. Their spines are decaying in their bodies. They've got fatigue, chronic pain. Some of them have miscarried. Um, Edna Hussman couldn't even raise her right arm to take the oath or move her legs. Because basically, like, I guess there's something happening where it causes your joints to lock. So her hips are locked. Oh, and you know, you fucking know the radium people were like, oh, that that one's no good. She can't, uh, she can't raise her arm, but... 
You know, that's not, that's not my fault. That's, that we had nothing to do with that. At one point, I think I'm going to get to this later, but at one point, a woman got fired for limping. Well, they can suck my ass, honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, meanwhile, they're telling these stories about um, how all their medical illnesses, and every single one of them did, tell, tells an explicit detail how they were instructed to put their paintbrushes in their mouths. So then the hearing ends, and there's a big gap between the hearing and the trial, and Barry, their lawyer, is like, you guys are, like, dying. So he puts them in a hospital to be looked after full time, just so that they can make it to the trial, which is, like, it's good because they don't have to worry about it, but also, like, really sad. Mm-hmm. So that hearing was in January, then it gets to April, and then it's time for the trial, and so they give their evidence again. And they only it only takes a few days before Barry rests his case. And then, so he's what? He's a prosecution. So then there has to be another gap before the USRC presents their side. And the trial is not supposed to resume again until September. God, these people are going to fucking die by then. Yes, that's what I'm saying. And so the court schedule is packed, and that's why. And so Barry is, like, talking to all his lawyer friends, like, please will you switch with me? He finds multiple people willing to give up their court dates so the case can be heard. And USRC is like, no, we're not ready. They're literally trying to wait until these women die. Oh, my God. They're just trying to make it take so, like, oh, my God. Evil, evil, evil. Mm -hmm. So then, uh... That was April. So then it gets to May. They're putting off the trial and they're trying, meanwhile, to take advantage of the medical state of the women to be like, you should really settle. Like, you don't have much time. Oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. So they're offering they're offering the money, but the settlement is not going to include accepting any liability. So sorry, I'm going to drink water. Yeah. So they're like, it's not our fault. We'll pay you. Um, And then the women uh, countered their offer. Um, So. Uh, it's going to get a little wordy here. So they offered back, they want, each woman wants a lump sum of 15000 um, which to, in today's money would be 208000 A pension of $600, the equivalent of 8000 a year for life and all of the court costs covered. USRC is like, uh, yeah, you can have the pension, we'll cover the court costs. Instead of 15000 you can each have 10000 And they're like, okay, so they settle. Mm-hmm. Um... So they still haven't accepted any liability, but they'll, like, at least be able to survive because they can't work. Mm-hmm. Um, and their medical costs are just getting worse and worse as their bodies are falling apart. Right. Um, but also part of the company denying liability is that they are like, okay, so if we're going to pay you money every year, you have to have regular medical tests to prove that you still require care. And if at any point the doctors agree that they'd recovered... Um, the annual payments would stop. So by putting these terms in the settlement, they're basically saying, like, you're frauds and we're going to keep an eye on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So also they have this committee of doctors, which is, like, the girl's doctor and a neutral doctor and a company doctor. So, like, the th- it has to be two out of three, basically. That's Great. That well, okay, their fucking spines are shriveling up. So, you know, yeah. I think we're going to be good. I don't think yeah. we're going to recover. Also consider the fact that nobody thought that they would survive until September. So when the company's like, oh, yeah, you can have $600 a year, like, obviously hoping that they're going to die really quickly. Mm-hmm. So then a year goes by and none of them have died fast enough. And they're like, actually, wouldn't you rather just have a lump sum instead of your annual payments? <laughs> um, and they're like, no, I don't think so. And then 
Barry, their lawyer, is trying to get the board of doctors... Barry! Yeah, to issue a formal statement that the girls were suffering from radium poisoning. Because it's still not even, like, they're still not even technically diagnosed with radium poisoning. Because it doesn't even exist as a disease at this point. Mm -hmm. So Barry's trying to do this in order to help the inevitable many future cases because these girls are going to get sick. Right. Um, Okay. Right, here we go. So Barry starts working on the case of May Canfield in the summer of 1929, and he won her $8,000, which is the equivalent of 113000 today, um, in January 1930. But only but one of the original five girls didn't live to see the victory. Quinta McDonald, maiden name Magia, so Molly's sister, had died on December 7th, 1929 of a sarcoma, which is a bone tumor. And unfortunately, we're going to start hearing that word a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, you think that the company would just fucking own up to it and deal with it now because this shit is going to keep happening. Yeah, but then if they admit, like, if they set a precedent of admitting guilt in these cases, they're going to have to pay every single girl. And they've employed hundreds of them, hundreds of women. Right, but then you're going to have hundreds of deaths. I mean, that's potentially, like, a hundred more court cases. Like, do you really want to keep going through this and having to, like, cover your own Yeah, because they think they can win. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we love Barry. Here's another downside to this case. Um, in order to, to get May Canfield her money so that she can survive... Um, and like feed her family and shit. Uh, the the USRC's lawyers are like this Barry guy. He knows too much. He's too good. Like, so they make it part of the settlement that he can't represent any more radium victims. Fuck you. Yeah. So now he's like, right. I'll help you, May. I'm gonna do this for you. But now he can't help any others. Oh god. Yeah. So Barry's Barry's out of the game. Uh, Barry's yeah. just <laughs> trying to help. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I love you, Barry. So, so far we've... Yeah, he did He did good. Uh, so we've been talking about the uh, Orange County girls. So now Orange County. Orange, New Jersey. Not Orange County, California. Um, so now over in Ottawa, Illinois, Catherine Wolf. that's the one I was saying, she gets fired for limping in 1932. And it's not even like you can't do your job. It's just basically like, we don't want a you know, limping girl in here. You know, felt good. It's off-brand. Yeah. Um, so then Catherine Shobe, one of the five girls who watched her cousin Irene die, she also dies um, February 18th, 1933, 30 years old, of a sarcoma on her leg. Uh, Grace Fryer dies as well October 18th, or October 27th, 1933, of a sarcoma on her leg. Is, I don't know if you know this, and it, I guess it doesn't really matter for our purposes, but I'm curious, is, is the sarcoma, mm-hmm. like, is that your, like, muscle turning to bone? Mm, I don't think so. I think it's, like, a bone growth. Growth. Mm. <gasps> yeah, it's a bone tumor. Um, I don't, I wasn't going to put any, like, really horrifying pictures in the show notes, but maybe I will. Maybe it's important. Um could always link to them maybe in the description oh yeah i wouldn't put them on the instagram because like i even feel weird about putting skeletons on the instagram but like some of these some of these are really upsetting george and it's it's like hmm 
We put George on there. Yeah, and we put syphilis skulls as well, and Richard. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we've been over in New Jersey. The Ottawa girls fight is just beginning. Oh, good lord. So, um, Charlotte Purcell had her arm amputated because she's got this growing mass on her elbow and she's terrified that it's going to kill her if she doesn't cut her whole arm off. So she cuts her arm off so much, like, it doesn't even have a shoulder joint anymore to attach a prosthetic to. Yeah. Um, and she's like, I have to be here for my kids, so cut it off. And then she just learns how to do her life. Like, she learned, it specifically said, uh, in one of the things I read, that she learned how to scrub a frying pan with one arm, because she'd hold the handle in her teeth and then scrub. Like, she's a fucking badass. Honestly, yeah, but, like, what a fucking queen, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Catherine Donahue, uh, tries to pray for strength in the face of her illness, but her hips are so stiff that she can't even kneel in church. Yeah. I'm not meaning to laugh. It's just, like, it's so horrible, and also, like... The it's book fucking I read. I'll plug outrageous. It yeah. I mean... <laughs> yeah. I'll plug it now and also at the end, but, like, this book I read by Kate Moore, it's amazing. It's riveting from start to finish, and, like, the way she weaves the narrative of these women, and, like, that image of being, like, yeah, I'm trying to pray, I'm sick, I'm scared, can't kneel in church. Mm-hmm. How upsetting. Um, Pearl Payne has to have a hysterectomy because she has tumors in her uterus. Mm. Yeah. So these three women, I wrote just three of many. Does that mean there was three on the lawsuit or three? No, those were three of the women that are just getting sick. There's a lot. They band together and they try to sue Radium Dial, which is the Illinois version of the USRC. Mm -hmm. But as in that case, there were all these legal technicalities around occupational diseases that meant they weren't entitled to anything. So... Obviously, that's bad. Things seem like they're going bad to worse, because right after they get defeated in court, their friend Inez Vallet died after eight years of radium-related illness. Oh, my God. So then, Catherine Donahue's husband, Tom, got in a literal street fight with the radium dial superintendent, Rufus <gasps> Reed, because he's like, you're doing this to my wife and all her friends, fuck you, just basically starts beating him up in the street. Nice. Then he gets criminal charges. <laughs> Then everything he's awful. yeah yeah so that your husband's in court now and pieces of her jaw start falling out as well. Lovely. Okay. Well, yeah yeah yeah. Done without that. But. Yeah. So things are really bad in Ottawa. So then all these Ottawa women are at their wits' end. So Catherine, okay, I'm, bunch of names coming at you. Catherine, Marie Rossiter, Pearl Payne, the one who had the hysterectomy, and Francis and Marguerite Glasinski sisters went to Chicago to get lawyer Leonard Grossman on their side. I think he was kind of like a celebrity lawyer, like he was a big deal. Um, like and Billy so, Flynn from I think it Chicago is, I think it's Billy Flynn, essentially, yeah. Like, I did have that <laughs> thought when I read about him. <laughs> so, despite there being basically no legal case, and the women having basically no money, fucking Leonard Grossman says, yes, I will represent you. Yes, Leonard. Uh, yeah, Leonard so. Leonard Barry. Yeah, our guys. Uh, not to be confused with also Barry the Dentist, but he's cool too. Leonard, Barry, and Barry. <laughs> so it gets to be time to testify. Catherine Donahue has to be carried into the courtroom. Oh my god. Oh. Severely underweight That's and with so a grapefruit. Exciting. Yeah, severely underweight, grapefruit sized tumor on her hip. So she tests. She's so 
badass. She testifies calmly and in great detail about her suffering and her struggle to raise a family because of her illness. She's got two kids, I think. She does... Carly, this is the most metal thing you've ever heard of. Okay, I'm ready. There, she pulls a handkerchief out of her pocket, opens it up, and holds up pieces of her jaw (gasps) and has them entered into evidence. Yes, queen. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with her. And it's so upsetting. Terrible thing to have happen to her. But, like, that's fucking metal. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. So, also, like, because radium poisoning, like, isn't really a real disease... They don't really know, um, like, how bad it is. Like, obviously, they know it's really bad, but, like, she just doesn't... So, there's a story from the courtroom where Grossman, Leonard Grossman, the lawyer, mm-hmm. is really pressing one of the experts to explicitly state whether he thinks the girl's conditions are fatal, and then the the expert is really like, do you want me to say in front of them? And, of course, that means, yes, it's fatal. So then, like, they get the message. Catherine collapsed in court. She starts screaming. Tom, her husband, guess he didn't go to jail. He's there. He's, like, screaming, too. And they have to take her home. They just, like, love each other, and she's gonna fucking die. And, like, not enough people care. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? they love each other a lot. Being one of those women, but, like, being a family member, like... Yeah. Being one of their kids or one of their husbands or their parents. Yeah. I mean, it's just terrible. The parents especially. Especially if, like, the parents who, like, all three kids died. Like, oh, what? God. Yeah. Um, so she gets taken home. They're like, you cannot bring this woman into court again. She's too weak. So they brought the trial to her house. <gasps> she testifies from her bed. Oh, my God. We love Catherine. I want to marry her. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so in 1938, while those five women are waiting for the verdict, um, Pearl Payne from the court case, Marie Rossiter from the court case, um, Catherine Donahue, the one who's in bed, and Charlotte Purcell, the one who had her arm amputated, Mm -hmm. all of them are miraculously still fighting uh, for their lives. And they team up with Grossman to set up a society to protect people who have been, this is a quote, it's not a good quote, maimed due to occupational hazards. Oh, well. Yeah, also, Um, I mean, not only are they just trying to, like, get some fucking justice, but they're also, like, trying to not die. Yeah. You know, they're like, that happen? Yeah, like, I have to fight for my own rights and other people's rights, and also pieces of my body are falling out. Oh, Yeah. But you know what? They still have a sense of humor, too, because they call themselves the Society of the Living Dead. Oh! This, or- <laughs> this organization that they're setting up. Yeah, they're so cool. Um, um, so uh, Catherine's health fluctuated while they were waiting for the verdict, as you would expect. Yeah. Up and down from the point of, like, actual death. Like, I think they brought a priest to her house at one point. Um and then sitting up in bed feeling sort of more optimistic. And so then the verdict comes in April. I don't know why it took so long. Um, but the judge, George Marvel, found Radium Dial responsible for Catherine's illness and awarded her past medical expenses, back salary for the time she couldn't work, damages, and an annual pension. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Radium Dial scumbags that they are appeals the verdict. 
Catherine is too sick and weak to attend the hearing for the appeal. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's a it's a race against the clock because apparently if she died before the final verdict, her children wouldn't receive any of the money. But on July so on July sixth the appeal was rejected. Um the judge is like, Yeah, fuck you. And nice. the girls sort of they were like, Yay, good. I can't leave my bed, woo. Um Catherine weakened to the point that her husband oh yeah, this is me. The part I was saying earlier, her husband has a priest come to administer the last rites. And then she kind of has a little mini bounce back, but then Radium Dial files another appeal, and she just actually can't take it, and she died the next day. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've got a picture of the bedside trial, and like, when you look at her, you're like, oh yeah, she basically is already dead. Like, it's so bad. Oh my god. Just like, pure fucking evil. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like she like, weighed like 60 pounds when she died or something. What? I mean, I don't... They're just, like, <laughs> they're just yeah. literally, like, trying to wait until she dies to find some sort yeah. of fucking loophole to not have to, you know, pay her family any money. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. So, the thing I said earlier about them, if they, if she died before the final verdict, her children wouldn't receive any money, but then, actually, after her death, Grossman takes the case posthumously all the way to the Supreme Court, wow. and Radium Dial keeps appealing and appealing. And she did win her case, and her kids did get the money Good. three months after she died. Why are they yeah. appealing? Like, where do you fucking get off? They don't want to admit guilt, because then they have to, they're have they liable for all of the deaths. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's really shitty. I mean, they are liable, yeah. It fucking suck. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, there was this thing, kind of, about, like, there's different things the radium does to you, and, like... This was in, so what, they were painting in the 1910s and 20s. We're up to 1938, 39 at this point. So, like, there was the wave that died initially, and then there's the wave, there's, like, the wave that died of the jaw thing, Mm -hmm. and then there's the wave of the ones that died of tumors, which is later, and then there's some that made it. So, we'll get into a few more names here. Edna Hussman, which was the one who couldn't raise her right arm, um, she died on March 3rd, 1939, I have a sarcoma on her femur. Uh, Albina Larice, married name Magia, as in the sister of Molly and Quinta Magia, died November 18th, 1946. But you know what? She lived to be 51. I mean, that's not old, but it's old compared to the others. Propane, though, uh, lived to be 98. Is she the one who got the hysterectomy? Mm Mm-hmm. She lived to be 98. 98, yeah. And Charlotte Purcell, 82 with one arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucking badass. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, May Keen, the first girl I talked about who quit yeah. after a week because she didn't like the paint. Uh, she was 107 when she died. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much wrapping up here. Um, but this case was huge for workers' rights, obviously, and legislation around safety standards in industrial workplaces. These women fought against, I mean, we've been talking, like, scumbag corrupt companies for years as their actual bodies were falling to pieces. Mm -hmm. But I feel like this fight had a lot to do with OSHA and the workplace health standards we have today. Um, I'll put a picture of it in the show notes. There is a memorial to them. In Ottawa, um, recognizing their legacy as heroes and memorializing their struggle. But 
just as the memory of their resilience lives on, so does the thing that killed them. So there's a thing in chemistry called a half-life, which is how long it takes for a thing to like decompose halfway, basically. Radium's half-life is 1,600 years. <gasps> Fuck. So all of these women's bodies are still radioactive in the ground, and they will be long after anyone listening to this right now is dead. The radium girls. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, Megan, that was so good. It was only good because I'll tell you why. Um, a bunch of articles, mostly most of which are based around Kate Moore's book, The Radium Girls. Um, actually, two of the articles are by Kate Moore. She did a she did one on BuzzFeed. Um, I remember seeing that. It was like a long, long yeah, read but I mean, on BuzzFeed. I'm, I'm not like. I didn't get, I didn't read the whole thing. I mean, I remember seeing it, though. Yeah. Um, there was a Spectator article, an NPR piece. I'm going to link these all. A Telegraph um, piece, which is also based around the book. And then, oh, a History Today article about radium, because I don't know about chemistry. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, Kate Moore, I think is a playwright. I think initially she came to the story of the Radium Girls. Oh, I also listened to a podcast about it. I'll link that as well because it was also really good. Um, but yeah, she was a playwright and someone was like commissioned her to do a play about the Radium Girls. And so then she wrote the book about them as well because she was so fascinated and inspired by them. Um, and you can tell like that she's theatrical from the writing because it's it's never dry. It's very like human. Um, I read the whole book in a few days. I was oh. so riveted. Um my library has it as an ebook that you can check out for free. Support your local library. Yep. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of tied into what we talked about the last episode, just like corporations being scumbags. Corporate shitheads, yeah. 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 Holy shit. So I feel like, Joe, do you have anything to add? No, I mean, that was fantastic, though. I was very excited for that episode. Again, it wasn't as long as I thought. It took a long time to write. Or piece together, <laughs> I, I guess. Um, yeah, I'd re- really recommend the book, guys. Um, Kate Moore, The Radium Girls. Can't I can't say it enough times. Uh, or you, if you're not into reading a whole book, the long-form BuzzFeed article is just sort of the book condensed. Um, but her voice is still really, pleas- really present in it. I just think there's so many insane images in this story, like so many things that would make it a great movie, like the bedside trial, the jaw falling out, the like trying to kneel in church or like being like, no, I'm going to have my arm amputated so I can be alive for my kids. Like these, I feel like these stories need to be told because these women are so badass and... It's just a really, like, obviously horrifically tragic, but also just a really good story. hmm Yeah. I mean, the horror of, like, having all that happen to you and, and just, I mean, that alone would require so much strength. But then, you know, for the women who kept on yeah, fighting not only their own deaths, but this massive corporation, you know. And the thing that you said in the yeah. beginning of, like, when you, like, if I brought you to work there... Like, Carly, I got this great job. You'll love it. And then you got sick. And then not only do I feel bad for bringing you into it, but I'm also like, oh, fuck, that's going to happen to me? 
Like, the thing about the sisters is crazy. And the fact that all three of the Magia sisters died of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. That was so good. Thanks. I'm pleased. They, you know what, those women did it. And Kate Moore did it. She wrote a great book. Yeah. So I feel like on your episodes we do... Sorry. So I feel like on your episodes we do like what we did that day and then on my episodes we do what we're looking forward to. What are you looking forward to? That's kind of what we do sometimes. Uh, I'm going to go get coffee after this, so... Okay, for that. You sound like you need a coffee. No. I have a headache. Um, I have an audition on tomorrow. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I have a birthday in two months. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Cool. What about you? Um, I don't really have any plans this week, which is cool because, like, after I finished the play and then I was really training really hard... So, like, now I just have a week where my calendar after work is empty, and I'm excited to, like, fill it up with getting a drink with a friend or just, like, hanging out with Billy, because, yeah, just looking forward to having a chill week. And then next week, my friends are coming. (laughs) Anything else to share with the class? I'm so tired. Me too. Yay. Yay. Um, please give us a, a like or a follow on Instagram or Twitter. We don't have likes. Oh, on Instagram we do. Yeah, you can like one of our posts on Instagram or Twitter. You can follow us. Carly will do a little spiel after this. That's pre-recorded. But just, uh, let us know if you liked it, if you didn't like it, but kindly, uh, (laughs) tell your friends. Tell your friends about this cool podcast, but don't tell them who's in it and see if they recognize who we are. Yeah. Oh, that was last that was episode funny. that I talked about that. Oh. It's very confusing when you record on the same day. Yeah, we record. Too. God, we're so useless. We're just waffling. We should probably stop now. Okay. I need um, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah, the fucking reading girls. Yeah, they're cool. Yeah. Uh, you're cool, Carly. Hey, you're okay. Thanks. Okay, uh, bye everyone. Have a good week. Bye. Hey guys, Carly here, and we wanted to thank you for listening to Sisterly History Mysteries. We hope you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed talking about it and sharing it with you. If you don't mind, we'd really appreciate it if you'd rate, review, and subscribe as it makes our day, but it also really helps us out. You can email us at sisterlyhistorymysteries at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram at sisterlypodcast. Good night.